Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of in-the-trenches, tell-it-like-it-is reality therapy for personal, business, and real estate investing success. With your hosts, powerpreneurs, Angela Thomas and Ron Phillips, it's time to get real. Hi, welcome to the Get Real Podcast. I'm Angela Thomas here with Ron Phillips. Hey, Ron. Hey, hey, here we are. And we are, you know, excited about another episode here. We're actually, we mentioned back when we did lightning round real estate questions number one, that there may be a number two. And here we are, ready to do it. So lightning uh, round. We should have yeah, some kind of music or something. I know. Where's our lightning round music? Like something. You know, to make it sound exciting because heck yeah. Okay, maybe it's, maybe maybe the name sounds exciting. Maybe our that. editor could put like a thunder sound in there or something. That'd be cool. <laughs> he would have to right. listen. He would have to listen to the first part of the podcast. If there's to- a thunder sound, our editor rocks. Yeah. Okay. So uh yeah, lightning round number two. We've got some more questions here that we've gotten from from all you guys. So we're just going to get started. We're going to head right into it. You ready, Ron? Well, I guess we'll see. Okay. I mean, ready? I- I'm no ready, more. but I mean, <laughs> am I ready for all the questions? I actually I really know. hope. I really hope one of these catches you by surprise and just like floors you and you know makes you think for a second. That'd be awesome. It might. We'll do one that um, maybe there's one that I don't know. I know. We'll see. Okay. It's okay because right. this is the You're... get real show. So if I don't know, I'll just say I don't know. Yeah, and then we'll come back. We'll figure it out and we'll come back and we'll let you know. All right. So first question: Should I set up an LLC no. for my property? Oh, uh, you didn't <laughs> even let me finish. That was premature. <laughs> that was premature. I'm sorry. Should you set up an LLC for your property? Yeah. Um, that depends. You should ask your attorney. I am not an attorney, and I am not giving any advice, nor do I play an attorney or anything else like that. All right, just to be a troublemaker, Ron, do you put your properties in LLC? I do actually, and and without giving advice, uh, yes is the answer to your question. Now, how how do you do that, and is it the right entity for you, and all of that good stuff? You should probably talk to your to your attorney, CPA, your financial people, because all of that stuff depends on the individual. So not to get all, you know, okay, mired into this deal, but, but you should put it in something that protects you for sure. So the, the whole reason behind doing this is so that you can protect yourself from people who want to sue you and get all of your assets and, you know, all that good stuff. So yes, okay. you should protect yourself. Awesome. All right. Number two, how does a debt snowball method work? Well, um, <clears throat> There's a couple of different schools of thought to this. And man, Chris Miles that we had on before, I think he does a whole episode on this. It's really, really good. You should look it up. He's got a million different podcasts, so good luck finding it. But maybe if we find it, we'll like we'll like we'll tag it in the notes or something. But anyway, there's two yeah. schools of thought. The way that it works is that you take debts. Let's say you have five credit cards, which God, I hope you don't. But let's say you have five credit cards. They all have balances on them and you're going to try to pay them off. What you do is you take either the lowest 
balance so that you could you could pay it off the quickest or you take the highest interest rate so there's two two schools of thought right one of them is that you want to pay off the one with the highest interest first because then you you stop the interest i am of the other school of thought where you pay the smallest payment off first because then you can get ahead of it and it makes it seem like even if the the money doesn't equal out greater in the end the savings i it's believe a mental that when game. You, Right. I, yeah, I believe yeah. the mental game is big. If you're knocking down these these cards, then it works better. So the way that it works, let's say you use the way that I would do it, where you would take the smallest payment. You have a hundred dollar payment, two hundred dollar payment, three hundred dollar payment, four hundred dollar payment. Take the hundred dollar payment, um, or the one that has the lowest amount, and it's usually the one with the lowest payment. Let's say there's a thousand dollars on there. You get your tax return, and you just go, bam, paid off. Now you take that $100 that you were paying on that card, you add it up with all the other ones, and then you go to the next card and you add $100 to the next payment, right? And then you're paying more than the, than the minimum payment, so you're getting it paid off. As soon as that one's paid off, then you take the $100 and the $200 that you would have been paying on those, and you put all $300 onto the next card. And so it's a snowball. It keeps growing and growing and growing. And that's how it works. And it allows you, helps you to pay things off much, much faster than you could any other way. Awesome. And we have a lot of people that utilize that, that technique on paying off investment properties as well. Yes, absolutely. So. Especially inside of your IRA because you don't need the cash flow um, other than to you know have a buffer in there. So well, there's no point. Speaking of just... IRA, that was a nice transition. <laughs> the oh. next question was actually, how do I purchase investment property in my IRA? Okay, so since this is lightning round, I'm not going to go into the whole thing because we could do a whole show on how to purchase yeah. investment properties in your IRA. Well, but it's we will very simple. if you guys ask for it, no problem. Yeah, if you guys want us to, I'll, we'll 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 do a show. But in light of that, it is it's really simple. First, you you have to have a self directed IRA. So just not any normal IRA will work. You have to have a self directed one that will allow the purchase of um, alternative assets like real estate. And then it's pretty simple. It's going to be the same kind of a thing, right? So you're going to have a contract. That contract is actually not between you and the seller. It's actually between your IRA and the seller. So your IRA company, your, uh, your administrator would sign on behalf of the IRA, kind of like a trustee. And then you would sign on there read and approved by giving them the authority to actually sign on behalf of your IRA. And then the rest of it works very similar. So if you're getting a loan, you go through the loan process, although the loan process is not on you, it's on the property itself, okay? Um, but closing is basically the same. They're, the IRA administrator is gonna sign on behalf of your IRA and you are gonna sign read and approved by. Um, and, and that's how it works. And then the, the actual property goes into your IRA. So the IRA owns it like it owns stock right now or whatever it is, it would actually own the real estate, not shares in some company. It would actually own the physical real estate. So in a nutshell, that's how it works. Cool. Thanks, Ron. Okay. And then the next one These is are like, not terribly lightning rounded questions. I know, no, you got I know. They the were they're kind of long questions. So the next one will be a lightning round question. <laughs> but this is a real question we got. So can I use my 401k to buy real estate? Uh yes. Okay. 
but uh, you can't actually buy the real estate in your 401k. So well, just, you can if it's a self-directed 401k. So like oh, if you're true. a business owner and you own the real and you own the 401k and you want to make it self-directed, then you absolutely can use it. But most people cannot. Most people like if you work for Pepsi and you have a 401k with Pepsi, then they're not going to let you self-direct it and buy whatever you want. That's not going to happen. No. In that case, sometimes a portion of the funds can be rolled over. You can do an in-service distribution rollover into a, an IRA, and then you could use the funds. Or you can borrow against your 401k, right? So you can borrow money from your 401k. Interest rates usually really low on that. Um, yeah. But you do have to pay it back as a loan, right? So you're not taking the money out. You don't want to take your money out because then you get a penalty and you have to pay taxes on it and stuff like or that. Or if so. you're fully vested, you can just roll it all over into an IRA, right? Right. Or so, if it's a previous job, you can roll it all over. Yes. So the answer is yes. Right. And there's a whole bunch of different ways okay. and such. I made it less lightning round. I'm sorry. Okay. How do I deed a property into an LLC after closing? That one should have um, been with the other LLC. Yeah. So if I were you, I would use an attorney or a closing attorney or a title company so that it is done right. But it's pretty simple. You just call somebody like that and you say, hey, I want this property to not be in my name. I want it to be in a, an LLC or a trust or whatever it is. Okay. And, um, and then they do all the work for you and you pay them. That's the way I would do it anyway. How it works, yeah. Okay. I guess you could try to do it on your own, but man, I wouldn't do that. Uh, we don't advise that. So the next question is, should I just pay cash? Why finance? And I wish I had that problem, whoever you are. So great question. <laughs> Should I just pay cash for everything? Like why? I just pay cash for everything. Why According would I get a loan? To Dave Ramsey, the answer is absolutely yes, hundred percent of the time. I am not Dave Ramsey, however, so I'm going to say yes if you want to, but not necessarily. So the short answer is there's nothing wrong with paying cash and. I was just getting ready to say there's nothing wrong with financing either, but there could be something wrong with financing. If you're getting good, solid financing and the property is really good and you have good financials and all of that stuff is good, there's, there's nothing wrong with financing. You're going to get a higher rate of return. You don't want to over leverage yourself like some people did buying properties, you know, 100% financing or God forbid, no, like 105% financing and taking money at the closing table and stuff like that, that they like they did 2007. You don't want to do that. You don't want to have a negative amortization loan. You don't want to, you don't have crazy stuff like that. But if you can get a regular 30-year fixed loan and you're putting 20% down and, you know, I mean, yeah. if you don't think 20% down is enough, then then put 30% down. I don't know. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah, that kind of depends on your comfort level with the debt. Yeah. I, this is a that's, a, that's a real personal question. And it's something that, that's why we do, you know, a, a plan before you buy. So if you have... $3 million and you're just and all you really want is to have X amount of cash flow every year and you want it to be safe and secure and you don't have to worry about anything. Well, yeah, then there's nothing wrong with paying. You can pay cash for the properties and you know, there's no debt. There's no money going out other than your, your normal expenses. You should be pretty good, pretty solid, right? Yeah. So it, it depends great. on the individual. Okay. Nothing wrong with either one of them is, I guess, what I'm saying. All right. 
Uh, you're very agreeable today, Ron. It's weird. I just, uh, it is just weird, saying. isn't it? Yeah, it is Ask weird. Ask me I don't something know that pisses me off, Angela. And then we'll I know. You're so grow. calm today. You must have had like a good morning. Were you at the beach this morning? I it's... actually was at the beach this oh morning. Oh my gosh, that explains it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was. It's I watched the strong. sun come up okay. at the beach this morning. And so, I mean, that um, does have a tendency to make people agreeable. It does, yeah. Okay, what can I expect to pay as far as closing costs? This is one of the most common questions we get. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they want to know exactly, Ron, how many dollars will I have to pay? (laughs) Okay. So it really depends on what you choose. And so part of the reason why I don't tell you what your closing costs are is because it depends on what you work out with your lender. And And which lender you use. Yeah. And which lender you use and everything. And there's so many different things that, that, and which, you know, which insurance company you choose and, you know, stuff like that, because your insurance could, could alter based on who you choose, right? So, and then that's going to alter how much you have to bring to close because you have impounds for your taxes and your insurance that you have to pay. So all that said, I mean, I would think that you should expect somewhere between two and 3%, but it really depends, right? So if, if real quick, lenders make money, it's called points, right? So they, they, they make money based on a percentage of the loan amount. And let's say that a lender wants to make percentage and a half on a loan, $100,000 loan. They want to make $1,500 minimum, right? Well, they can either make that by you paying them $1,500 and they give you what's called the par rate, which is the rate that costs them nothing and makes them nothing. It's zero, basically, right? They can give you that rate if you're willing to pay them. Well, if you opt for that, then your closing costs are necessarily going to be higher, $1,500 or a point and a half higher than someone who goes and says, I don't want to take the money out of my pocket. I'd prefer you put it in the rate because they can also get paid by instead of giving you the par rate, they can give you a rate that actually pays them from the bank, right? The bank can actually pay them inside of the rate. That Mm -hmm. means your rate's going to go up, but you don't have to bring as much money to the closing table. And I can't control any of these things. I can't control who you use for insurance. I can't control what you decide to do with the lender. So I, I, there's no reason, there's no way for me to actually figure all of that out and tell you exactly what your closing costs are going to be. Because a lot of it is up in the air and it's really your decision. So what a lot of people do is they'll put on there that it's going to cost $0 to do the loan other than maybe some doc prep fees and stuff like that. But then when you actually start talking to the lender, your your closing costs go up because you determine, and it probably rightfully so, that you would have would you prefer to have a lower rate and pay the fifteen hundred bucks. But then you can't come back and get mad at somebody else for 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 quoting you a lower does that make sense? I mean it's just yeah. It's really relative. I don't know. Okay. That's perfect. I think that was a really valuable answer actually. I think people are gonna really appreciate that. Okay, so You're on very that note, today too. I know. I mean, well, it was a really good answer. I really liked it. Okay. Yeah. The the next question was actually, why do you not include closing costs on your pro forma? Well, uh, that should I be pretty obvious. I think if you were listening now. to Ron's last answer, <laughs> <laughs> that should be pretty obvious. Now, I don't know. Is the that's the answer? Yeah. And yeah. but but for clarification purposes. It's super simple to figure out what your return is because when you get your papers from the lender, they're going to have on there what it's going to cost you. 
I mean, you you should know what it's going to cost you. Yep. And then you can just you just add them to your down payment and divide that by. I mean, just divide it into your your uh, return numbers, and you can come up with your own return. This is not that hard. Right. We will have already educated you about how to calculate return on investment. Just add the fifteen hundred or the two thousand or the three thousand or whatever it is. Add it to your down payment. That's all the money that you're putting into the property, and then you do your calculations. You should be good to go. Cool. Perfect. All right. Next one is: Do you provide in-house financing? No, we do not. I mean, I know the answer. But I thought I'd ask you. Yeah. No, and no, that's, we are that's not in that business. That is a lightning round question yeah. right there. Bam! No, we do not. Okay, lightning round, super fast version. How do we vet our sellers? Very well. <laughs> okay, come on, you got to give me a tiny I bit mean, more than that. Well, uh, you should go back and listen to the last episode because we talked to one of our one of our suppliers. Name's Eric. Yeah, Brewer. it was Eric Brewer. And it was, was really it well done. So how, how do we vet them? Well, usually we go and meet them. We look at their operation. We ask them the questions about how they do their process, what, you know, make sure that their rehabs meet our criteria. Um, you could tell by listening to Eric that his obviously meet our criteria. And then we usually work through, like, I think he said in the episode, I think he said it took us several months to actually work through some of the, some of the differences between you know, what he thinks and what we think and how things work. Yeah, uh, there's always that period. Yeah. Anytime we bring on a new seller after we vetted them, we, we still sell a couple of properties, two or three properties, make sure everything goes well, make sure that the, the transition to the property management company is done well before we start selling a lot of properties uh, with them. And so it's a process. It takes months sometimes. And if they're new construction, it takes even longer because we not only have to vet them, we have to vet where they're building, what they're building. You know, it's not, it's not the same as a, as a rehab company, right? Where we can, I can go, oh, okay, you're going to buy that house. You're going to put this scope of work into it. And this is what's going to look like. Great. Okay. It's, it's different, you know, where they're turning dirt and they're, you know, completely building something. We have to go through the floor plans and make sure that they're going to be rentable. And we have to go through that with the property management company, make sure that they're in the area and that we have the numbers correct before we even start building, right? Because there's no pulling the plug on those. I mean, usually money's going hard early on in the process. So um, those are harder for us to bet. Awesome. Is vacancy and maintenance included on your pro forma? It is, as it should be with everybody. Yes. Um, but we, it is after year one. Right? Yeah, we, well, and we, we, do, we, we show it in a different way. So I, I think I've explained this before, but Angela, let's, let's go through it again, right? Okay. If I mean, Real you quick. can't picture the pro forma, but there's some things that you should have on every pro forma and everybody seems to do them different. So some people will give you just the hard costs pro forma. Some people will only give you the pro forma with hard costs plus all of the soft cost stuff, the things that changes. And then you try to compare them. It's really difficult for you to compare apples to apples when you're looking at these because they all look different. They include different things too. Yeah. So what we try to do is include all of it and include it in separate so that if if you're comparing apples to apples, hard cost to hard cost, and you're just trying to compare the two properties, then you can easily do that. If you're looking at 
the variable expenses along with the hard costs, then you can compare apples to apples because we have them there as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's, we have them on our, on ours, but we have them different. So the top, top is fixed expenses. Bottom is variable expenses along with the fixed expenses and they're run out for, uh, uh, I can't remember how many years, a lot of years. I'm and, sorry, um, I'm being so nice today, but that's a really great explanation again. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, mean, I got to do I something wrong. I sound like a suck up today, but I mean, it's the beach. You should go to the beach every day. Yeah, I should, yeah well, yeah. I try. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got to do this one fast. How do I keep track of my property to know if it's performing? Well, number one, look at your statement. Okay, sorry, back up. Number yeah, one, we- check your freaking bank account. I don't know how many times I've been over that. All but right, there, there it is. Please <laughs> check your freaking bank account and make sure the money came in. Number two, along with that, you should get a report or you've got some kind of a place where you can log in and you can see that the money that they sent you matches what is on the report. On the report, it'll also show you what they spent money on, yep. right? If you have any questions about that, you should be in communication with your property management company. And in addition to that, you should make sure that your property management company, the way that they communicate with you is working so that you get the communications from them so that they don't go into your spam folder and that if you don't do text, that they're not texting you, that they're emailing you, whatever it is, right? So that you're getting the information that you're supposed to get so that you can make accurate decisions. And then it's super simple. Like they're they're sending you financials. So you you should have financials on your property. You should be able to easily tell is this thing operating well or is it not operating well? Because you should have all of the numbers. And if you don't, you need to ask for them. And real quick, Ron, I know a lot of people are also tracking their properties in spreadsheets, which is great, mm-hmm. or QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want to take, you know, let the cat out of the bag, but shortly we will also have a really simple way for people to track their properties in our in-house software. So yeah, just let you guys know it's coming actually building a really cool piece to our we have a we have a software program that runs our entire company and what we've what we're doing is we're expanding it to help um, all of our customers so in there will not only be a, a really simple way to track the progress and how things are going with your properties but also all of your other assets so the name's time you need a a personal financial statement or if you've never even heard of such a thing <laughs> you can actually create one it it should be really it'll really be good. awesome. I'm excited for it. It looks it looks neat. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. Uh so moving on, the rest of these are kind of property management questions. Do you want to do a separate one on that? Should we just skip that for now? Yeah, let's skip the property management ones unless there's a super simple one. Okay. I mean, we kind of already hit on some of these, so I think we should have a property management person on. And, and yep, ask we've been them saying that maybe we should actually do it. Angela. Let's invite them. <laughs> I think we should. Let's do it. Okay. So I'll skip those. So we're almost done here. We're going to wrap this up. So can I use financing to purchase rental property using my IRA? And I know we already <laughs> yes, touched we, on IRA, but I don't think we hit that exactly. We kind of, I kind of like glossed over that, but yes, the answer is yes. You can, you, and let me, let me be clear. It's not actually you that's doing it. Your IRA can actually go out and get financing just like you can. So your IRA is your, is a separate entity from you. You are not the same person. And so it can actually go out and get financing to buy investment property. It's a little different, right? Cause it's non-recourse, which means 
that there's no recourse that the bank has if something goes wrong other than to take the property back. So they can't sue you personally. They can't go after any money in your IRA. They, so it's a different type of a loan, non-recourse. In addition to that, because it's non-recourse, usually there's a little higher interest rate, there's a little different terms, a little more money down, that kind of stuff. But you absolutely can leverage using your IRA. So another person actually asked, and I know you kind of glossed over this too, but when I invest using my IRA, will there be a personal credit check or personal income proof needed for the loan? No, shouldn't be. If, if there is, then you're working with a bank that doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Cool. Um, because you actually have nothing to do with your IRA other than the fact that it is for benefit of your name. Other than that, it is a completely separate entity they are lending to that has nothing whatsoever to do with you personally. So no, you shouldn't have to do that. As a matter of fact, I think several years ago, Angela, we had a bank that we were trying to help create a program so that they could do this. And they started asking for the stuff and we had to have our ARA company call them up and go, Uh, smoking dope. This has nothing to do with, I mean, you don't need any of this information. They're not on the loan. What are you doing? It was really really strange. The first time I've actually ever experienced that happening, but it was because the bank didn't know what they were doing. So yeah, and it sounds like maybe, Angela, that we should have an IRA Yeah, we probably should. Podcast as well. Sounds like there's a bunch of questions on IRAs too. Yeah. And this last one about IRAs is how do I set up a self-directed IRA and what's the cost? And I just wanted to mention that we have, I mean, there's good IRA companies and we've, I mean, we've worked with a ton of IRA companies, most of the big ones out there. Almost everyone. Almost all Most of of the small ones as well. Yeah. And there's, uh, there's really good IRA companies and there's ones that don't respond and, and make everything take way longer than it should. And they just make the whole thing a giant pain. Um, yes. So if you want a recommendation for a good IRA company, we are happy to provide it. Let us know. Yes. We, and we make, they're very highly regulated. We make no money for referring you to Oh yeah. Them. Sorry. They we do not. They can't pay us anyway. So <laughs> we're just trying to save you guys some, some uh, hassle yeah, there. Um, Frustration. Take, take it from us. We've worked with, with, I mean, it is yeah. like we bang our heads against the wall with some IRA companies oh, for so no annoying. good reason. Mm. So yeah, let us take some of the guesswork out of that for you. Um, as far as costs go, it, there are companies out there that charge you many thousands of dollars to set up what's called a, a, an, an LLC IRA. That just gives you checkbook control and puts you out on your own so that you can do this stuff on your own, which is really scary because unless you know a lot about the laws, you're probably going to screw it up and you're going to screw up your entire IRA you probably shouldn't do that. I'm, I'm just saying most 95% of the people out there should not do that. Um, and even if you are going to do that, it shouldn't cost you many thousands of dollars to set it up. You don't need to do that. Most people should just get a regular self-directed IRA. It costs, I think with the company that we refer them people to, it costs like 50 bucks. Yeah. For, for the application to turn the thing in and then you roll over the money. I mean, it's super cheap. Whatever it is, it's very inexpensive. I don't think their fees are that much either, really. You can actually see them though. So it's different than a mutual fund, right? Where a mutual fund hides them all and you, you don't think you're actually paying fees. 
These are very clear. You can see them. You're actually paying them every year. So a little different there, but they, I don't think they're that, it's not no. that big of a deal. Right. Okay. Uh, hopefully cool. that works. It's, it's super simple process. It's not it hard. Is. Yeah. Especially if you, you know, go with a company that knows what they're doing. Okay. Last question. So this one, you know, Ooh. this is a huge subject Ooh. that we could easily spend a couple of podcasts on. Great. Um, so it's not but, lightning round. No, awesome. but we don't, <laughs> we don't have a lot question. of time left. Yeah. So we'll All see right. how quickly Ron can uh, wrap this up or just give the main points. So Pressure the last on. question is like 1031 exchanges. Mm. What do I need to know about them? Ooh. There you go. The way they asked it too. It's like, well, let me, <laughs> where do I start? Right. Wow. Okay. But, but, you know, let's try to That's just very open-ended. Um, but yeah. what you should, what you should know about them, I think without getting into granular details, what you should know is that a 1031 exchange is a rule. And the reason it's called 1031 is because that is the code where the rule is stated. It allows you to do a like kind exchange. So real estate for real estate, stock for stock, you know, whatever it is, it has to be a like kind exchange. So that means that you could take the capital gain from some investment that you have, you can sell it. And instead of paying capital gains tax on it, you can roll that gain forward into another like property without having to pay the taxes. So you can defer those taxes to later on down the road. And if you do it right, you can actually never pay them because you will die. And because <laughs> you will die. And That's you don't awesome. have to pay them. Um, so if yeah. you want to spend all of your money before you die, you're, you're going to pay the taxes at some point. You're not going to get out of that. But it's a way that you can defer the taxes, roll them forward. Anyway, you can do a 1031 exchange, like kind for like kind. There's a bunch of different rules. We don't have time to go into all of that, but you need an intermediary. So you need someone who actually... Um, is qualified as an inter intermediary to do this on your behalf, kind of like the IRA thing we were talking about. There are specialized services that do this. The money goes to them, not to you. And and then you go and choose properties if it's real estate. We're talking about real estate on this show. So you would choose properties. And there's several different ways you can do that. And then there's time periods. So you have 45 days to identify properties and then you have a total of 180 days to close on those properties. And if you screw any of that up, then you're probably going to be paying taxes on part or all of yep. every 1031, right? So in a nutshell, that's how it works. We could probably do a whole show on that and no, I think I think that was pretty good. Yeah. If anyone, you know, wants to hear more on that, we can do a whole show. And like and the have, IRA thing, we yeah, have we have a 1031, well, some 1031 people that we really like and trust. So happy to share that as well. And they're inexpensive and they're very, yes. very good. Again, you do not need to pay a fortune for 1031 administrator. You you don't need to do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Please don't. Cool. Well, that was great. Thanks everybody for listening and... Super um, chill. Um, yeah, I'd say really mahalo chill. or whatever, but I'm not in Hawaii, so... We are happy to do another one of these. If you guys have more questions, I'm sure more will come about. Feel free to let us know what your questions are and we'll get to them. If you want to visit getrealestatesuccess.com, subscribe to our podcast, tell us what you think, uh, let us know any questions you have or future topics you want to hear about. Uh, we'd also love for you to check us out on Facebook or Instagram. Our name is just at Get Real Podcast. 
And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, everybody. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.